Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you, and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. Welcome back to another edition of Grit and Grace. I have Julia with me today, and she's the founder of Herald Coaching and Consulting. Her approach to coaching is inspired by her training in human performance improvement, and she specializes in clients that want to improve performance in life and make more money doing it. The most important thing she has learned from her work with clients and in all walks of life is that they already have everything they need to be amazing and simply need a guide on how to harness their unique energy. She has excellent human performance skills and is not about never failing, but is about always winning and never needing help. It's really the exact opposite of that. It's an empowered approach to handling life's daily balances with confidence, constant roadblocks and nagging doubts, just to name a few, and the constant belief that you can come out great on the other side. She has learned her trade in both the field and in the classroom. In addition to her decade plus of experience in top tier production in both sales and recruiting leadership, Julia holds a certificate of master performance uh, consultant, where you'll have to clarify that for me, master's performance consultant. She's a certified coach and certified master trainer. She is also the proud owner of Confidence Struggles, the tendency to over, (laughs) I just caught that over promise and wildly unabashed belief that she can have it all, even when life really wants her to give up on the dream. Listen, that is, I, I have to just stop there because that is so empowering just to read everything that you stand for. It moves me. I'm so glad. <laughs> it's, I hope to be very real. Yeah. Life is, you know, tough. Life is tough. I mean, cause we were just talking before we started to record that your baby's sick and yeah. that you slept on the couch with your baby. <laughs> but the best part of that was that your baby was like all snuggled against your face. And yeah, life is, life is never, it's never going to be a perfect path. And I like that you embrace the messiness of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, especially since yeah. I became a mother, which is, and how old is your baby? She's six and a half months old. Yeah. Best six months of your life. That's right. Although you might not think that now, but I will tell you from having a, a 20 year and an 18 year old, you look back at those first few years and it's like, man, those babies are so amazing. They change your life in so many beautiful ways. Yes. 100%. My yeah. husband and I are just enthralled. Yeah. Are you going to have more? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I should just put it out there that if you need a babysitter, you know, I am all about these pure little loving babies. My daughter and I, we love to babysit. So if you need us, you know how to reach me. We'll take you up on that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining the show, Julia. I really like your approach to how you represent yourself and who you are and what you've done in your past. And I know that you have, you know, you had a long career and you have a lot of accolades in the field of sales. And um, I want you to start there. Give us a snapshot of your career. Sure. So um, I started in college with retail sales. I actually worked for Eskimo Joe's Clothes. I'm not oh, sure if you've heard of it, but no, it's a t-shirt store that's it's like the second most recognized t-shirt in the world after Hard Rock Cafe. Are you kidding? Yeah. Interesting. It's located in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Okay. And it's affiliated with Oklahoma State where I went to college. And anyway, so I worked at that t-shirt shop and learned that I really love selling things to people. Mm. I like to connect them with something they want. Mm. Um, so when I got out of college, I took a sales job. And um, also through that job, learned that you really need to have some conviction behind what you're selling. I sold oh. some promotional products and it wasn't really there for me. 
So I quit that job actually before I had another job lined up, much to my dad's horror. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to a lot of parents' horror. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't believe I did that. Um, and I actually started a women's magazine with the local newspaper. It was kind of one of those things where naivete served me well because I just didn't have any idea that I could fail because I was just so young, right? And yeah. so I came up with this concept and pitched it to the local paper and they picked it up. Can you believe so that, but this, this is why if you don't realize yet the magical qualities that you possess in those areas in life and what you've done, it shines in you now. So I'm so excited you're here. I love to hear that. (laughs) So, so I started this newspaper or this magazine at the local newspaper and, and my responsibility was everything production of stories and photos and sales to fund the magazine. And I did have a graphic designer, but it was just she and I, and we just produced this quarterly and then monthly publication. And so advertising sales, which are, which is an intangible, right? Very hard yeah. to quantify. Yeah. was my fo- first foray into right. B2B selling. And how old were you? I was 21. Wow. 21 years Amazing. old. And bless those business owners' hearts. They gave me a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, they really, they bought yeah. hundreds of dollars worth of advertising in a magazine that had never been published. And showed me that people really want to support hardworking sales professionals if they have integrity. Yeah. I was going to say the, the key there too, is that they, they liked and trusted you, Yeah, that you gave them confidence that you were going to see it through and whatever, however you delivered that message, they believed in you. Right. Well, and you better believe I had to produce, right? Yeah. Once they gave me that. Yeah. Check. I mean, the first one is easy to get. The second <laughs> right. one. Well, right. It had to be good and it had Amazing. to be fun. Um, but it was a life-changing experience. I got to do all sorts of really cool things like tour Oklahoma State's athletic facilities and do restaurant reviews. And I'm a foodie, so that was right down my alley. And I mean, just super, super. I got to talk to some really interesting individuals. It was female-focused. Okay. So there was women who turned out to be role models for me in my life. Mm. And, you know, when you interview someone about something that's close to their heart, you of all people would know this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you learn like the most little quirky things about them. And it's so interesting. It's interesting. Right? It's and you know what? And it's a, it's a lesson of love because I get to learn so much. And just even from being with people like you, mm-hmm. it, it improves my life because I know that you and I together, this conversation is going to change other women's lives are going to listen to this. And same with your magazine. People were reading stuff that was making their lives better. I hope so. Yeah. And you were sharing so, stories and we know storytelling is so important. Right. And, and personally, it was a vehicle for my own personal mm-hmm. growth. One of my editorial, I always pictured getting to write the editorial column <laughs> in a magazine. That's really why I came up with the idea. That I had actually I put that on my that. resume. That's a good thing. Okay, yes. wait, it's not, I don't have that anymore on my resume, but I like that word. I need, I need to, need to like add it in. Yeah. Add, I mean, I have to figure it out because that's a good word. <laughs> um, anyway, so one of the editorial pieces that I wrote was about being powerful, but also being feminine. And mm. I was just discovering that about myself at that time in my life, that mm. the, the combination of the soft, but strong, right. And in your case, get grit and grace, right. It's a perfect mm. example of why women are so wired to be in powerful positions because we can look at that position from a, a place of compassion or from a heart. So mm-hmm. that's just the way we're wired. Um, so that if nothing else, that magazine taught me to embrace both of those sides of myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I've gone back to that many, many, many times to the point where I've literally gone and gotten the magazine issue out and, you know, 
God bless that picture because do you oh, have that? Do you still have oh, that of article? Do you have, of course. Okay, you I should, hope to show you, my daughter. One oh of these my gosh! Days, right? And do you have a digital version of it? Uh, no, I don't. It, you know that was oh. back a little bit before oh. things like that. Oh, we maybe we so. should republish that mm. article that because would be neat. you know what that you you literally just described this this podcast to a T. And you're right; it is a hard lesson for a lot of us to learn. And I would I would say that a lot of women that I know. What we do is spend periods of time in our life in that in, in the, the workhorse or the, the masculine mm-hmm. energy or in the grit part, uh, or we spend it in a feminine part, right? Mm-hmm. But we have not very good skills at combining the two to, to be both all the time. Man, it's hard. It is hard. It's hard to turn those switches on and off and yes. know when it's appropriate to be which one or to find the right combination and use that combination all the time, right? Yes. That's really the goal is to keep your edge yeah but still use your heart yeah i mean because the edge matters i mean the edge for me is i can usually just take off my blazer and have a full sleeve of tattoos (laughs) people look at me i've got edge well and the biceps don't hurt all right well i mean i i or they see the word krav maga on something that i have and it creates a little edge but Mm -hmm. but and and for me keeping the graceful side is important and i haven't always had to work at that i lived a lot of time in the graceful side but finding that balance that's really important and do you feel like that's part of your mission definitely because i think that to some extent everyone struggles men do too right because men are tasked to be both soft and strong in their lives yes and we don't like it if they're not strong correct and we we hate it if they're super soft right so men have to deal with the same thing so so yes i feel that one of the things that i focus most on in my coaching is just embrace whatever proportion of that you need to be to be pure to Mm. yourself right sales is it is the worst industry for asking people or I guess people believing they need to be disingenuous in some way to make a sale. Mm. They need to say a script in a certain way or they need to you know, work in a you know, certain pattern or whatever it is. And the truth is, is that that comes off as insincere. And the most right. successful salespeople are just themselves. And the right. clients love it. And if that's weird, okay. And if that's not weird, okay. But, but is that because a lot of people, A, don't either believe in what they're selling mm-hmm. or B, because they're not extroverted. So having those conversations and making the ask is really painful, even if they believe in the product. Yeah, I would say yes to both. Mm. Say yes to both. And that, and we, I have conversations with my clients all the time of, you're really doing what you should be doing. Yeah. Does this really energize you? Yeah. And if it doesn't, Guess what? That's all right. Let's find what does. Yeah. Okay. So the magazine, how long? Mm. Uh, a couple of years. Oh my gosh. I'm so amazed. Yeah. I really want the article. I'm most <laughs> excited about the article. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, and then I actually um, was approached by a gentleman opening a, a financial advising office in, in my little college town. I was ready for a change. Yeah. You had um, learned what you needed to learn yeah. from that experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, or journalism is a tough gig. And I didn't make yeah. journalism. That was never where I thought I was going to go. And I really wanted the sales side of it. So mm. I became a financial advisor and um, worked with the same firm for eight years. In financial services. Yep. So that, but that's another sales role. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. That's a sales um, role. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's consultative selling, right? Yeah. But you're absolutely influencing people's buying decisions. Yeah. As far as urgency and, you know 
product choice and things like that. And did you love the financial industry? Because a lot of people, if they work in the industry, they like it. They like the, I don't, I call it the numbers game, but it's not about the numbers game. It's really about how to invest and and help somebody build a future. How, mm-hmm. how to take what they've worked so hard for mm-hmm. and make it grow for them is really what they're doing. And some people really love that. I I didn't yeah love the analysis the actual investing side right. of it I like the human behavioral component mm. so it took me many years to identify that's what was really getting me going in the sales role was understanding a person's motivations and then helping them make choices to reach those motivations um, and so actually halfway through my career at that firm I switched over to the executive side and started coaching and. Um, and helping people grow on the behavioral side, helping them sell better to do what I used to do for a living. Okay. So that's when you started your own business. That, that was two years prior, two mm-hmm. years prior. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So keep going. Walk yeah, yeah, yeah. How that's been from now. Yeah. So, so part of that transition into the leadership and coaching role at the corporate firm during that, I realized that I am just not meant to work for somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, that's a fun thing to realize, but also kind of scary Yeah, because now I'm on my own. Right. And, and it took me a while. I actually, it was, I don't know if it was good timing or not, but my, my husband and I bought a home, got married. He was in an MBA program and I started a business all in the same year. Wow. So you just literally like the most stressful things things. that's ever going to happen in your life. Yeah. And our dog almost died and we saved him. So it was a crazy year. Um, so sometimes it's better. You know why? Because then you just got used to chaos. Because if yeah. you would have done one little step at a time, you didn't, you wouldn't have created a storm of chaos. And I truly believe that when you want to make real change in your life, it comes in a storm of chaos. I 100% agree. Yeah, and it's a, although you don't like it that way, and if you were to take time to plan it out, you would say, "Don't do that. Don't get married. Don't do this. Don't do all those things at the same time." I personally would. Because you know what? You re-experienced it, right? That storm of chaos made all this positive change in your life. Well, and it was hard, but man, we grew. Yeah. The two of us, we grew I'm together. Sure. That was the year that made us bulletproof, really, as a couple. Yeah, love that. Which is really, really special. And I like it because you say, right, that your husband, he was a catalyst in your life. Oh, man. And I, I, I want to hear more about that because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a single parent. I'm you know, raising my kids and life is good. And I do recognize the need in life to have yourself be surrounded by people that really believe in your success. And, you know, for me, it's just, it's required me to make a whole lot of changes since I started my company. And that's hard. I'll admit that's been hard, especially in relationships. Right. But I, I know that I needed to do that in order to be in a place where the people that surrounded me were those that were invested in my success. Yeah. And it sounds like Forrest was so invested in your success. Yeah. Forrest standard for me is unwavering. I mean, and this year has been such a good example of that because I had a baby, right? Yeah. And I could have not been aggressive with my business or not a great example. It's just this last week, we do a really cool thing where on New Year's Eve, we actually write down each other's accomplishments. Like I write down his and he writes down mine. Are you kidding? It's, I mean, it is just so special. And we say them out loud to each other and then we share our goals for the year. And we were traveling on New Year's Eve this year, and we have a baby, and um, making business transition. Then we got sick, and so it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. For the first year, we didn't do it on New Year's Eve. And all week last week, he kept saying to me, babe, you got to write down your goals. Why don't you write down your goals? Why don't you share your goals with me? And it's not about him hearing his accomplishments at all. Well, that's a fun component of it, right? It was about him recognizing that 
I need to do that for me. Mm. But self-sacrifice comes as a mother, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easy to push that to the side. And and his job is to make sure that I still do that for me. It's a great example of the ways that he keeps me at my best. And I really believe this is one of my favorite stories. I had a client get married um, three or four months ago. And in her wedding vows was a phrase that we use all the time in her her coaching calls. I mean, I I was just crying sitting in the audience, right? Um, To help each other be the best versions of themselves. Sometimes relationships can kind of get convoluted and it becomes a place where you can be less, yeah, right? Or let yourself go, which I think there should be space for that. But a real strong love and relationship holds you to the standard you want to be, right? That's real love is the expectation that you can be the most you want to be, not for them, but for you. So this is an example that a lot of women don't have in their life. That mm, this is a, I'm that very this, lucky that this is possible, but this is, this is part of what you can share and teach others. Mm-hmm. This is possible. And I, and that's part of the reason why I pulled that, you know, I know I noted that down because I think to have that in your life is so important and people strive for it. And I have this conversation with my kid all the time because he bought a car. He's 20, he bought his first car mm-hmm. and I've talked about some in another podcast. So we'll go into it, but I want him to always remember that the quality of your life is about the quality of the relationships you have in your life. Oh, yes. Not a hunk of metal. Oh, yes. Right? But he's 20. So yeah, he, yeah, yeah. it goes He'll one ear and out the other. But I, I know I know that he's listening. And I think that that's a lesson a lot of us have to learn over time. It comes with wisdom to really figure that out. And I wish we learned it earlier. And I tell my kids this at least once a week because I wish I had learned earlier how important that is. Right. Well, I mean, I'm... Stuff definitely still learning. I don't yeah. think I've got it mastered by yeah. any means. And and frankly, I've had a lot of kind of hard things happen in my life that yeah. have taught me that. So that's okay. We'll talk that's about that because is. I also think that one of the things that you focus on is the challenges that help entrepreneurs with work-life balance and you know aggressive competition and market changes and how to develop trusted relationships to improve sales. So you didn't just develop those by pulling them out of a hat. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that you've learned these things through difficult challenges you've faced in your life. I would love to talk about that. Okay. Um, well, th- there have been two kind of life-changing events that have helped me recognize that relationships are really what keep me going as a person, as an individual. Um, the first was my family. My parents divorced when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Tough age for mm-hmm. parents to divorce. Um and I saw kind of the reality that your parents are human beings. Mm, they fell off <laughs> They're the pedestal. They're just struggling just like you are now that I'm a parent. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm just a few years younger than my mom was when it happened. And oh my goodness. Mm. You know, what, what in the world did they go through trying to be what we needed in the moment and also what they needed to be in the yeah. moment, right? So that prior to that event in my life, I'd had kind of like a little bit of a princess upbringing and, um, and that was great. And I'm glad that happened as a child, but I don't Mm -hmm. regret the way our family shifted at all because I think it brought my brother and sister and I back down to earth Mm -hmm. in a a very good way. We started to be able to see the beauty in people when they're broken. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's a really, that's a turning point in a person's life is when you can look at a broken person and say, man, you are, gorgeous for your ability to keep grinding or you're, you're, you know, you're gorgeous for your ability to just feel your emotions mm-hmm. and not even be sorry about it. Yeah. 
and you can relate because I think of it like you see the light in people yeah, because you know that they've also seen darkness and that's, that's, that's what you're talking about. Brokenness. It's like darkness. It's mm -hmm. a cloud, mm -hmm. but when it passes and the light comes back, you recognize it in another person. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Yes. And yeah. darkness, frankly, um, is where we grow. Yes. Right. Oh yes. <laughs> so I mean, true. Ooh. How many, I mean, how many times do we really wish for no pain in our life? We we do. We do. Especially mm -hmm. women. We wish, okay, I don't want any of my kids, my family, my uh -huh. friends to die, get sick. None of that. Nobody. I want everybody to live happy and peacefully. But if we did that, nobody would grow and get any better. No. And we'd never have those moments where you look back and you go, man, you know, mom was really awesome during that. Yeah. Or brother was the, my rock or whatever it was. Yes. Right? That's what strengthens relationships. Yes. Um, so that, that was, was a big one for you. Yeah, that was a big yeah. one. And then in my early 20s, I had my own divorce. Mm. I, I ended up marrying someone to try to repair my own broken heart, mm. um, my family's separation. And um, and I had to. So I was always the woman or the girl growing up that was you know, top of the class and all mm. of these achievements. And I really found a lot of self-worth in that. Mm -hmm. And um, so to get divorced, to be the statistic of your parents are divorced and now you're divorced was, oh my goodness, something yeah. really hard for me to stomach. Mm. It was it was a major, very public failure. It, that's how I perceived it, right? Mm. And my, that was my perception. Yeah. Um, one of the most important things Forrest has ever told me, and he told me on our very first date, uh, you know, I had been divorced and you know, we're in our late 20s at this point, and um, I just threw it out there. I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, and I really like you, but I've been married and divorced. So if that's a deal breaker... There it is. First date. You gotta know. Right. right. And and he said, I don't see that as anything but bravery. You tried in a relationship and it didn't work out, and you're braver for it. And you're trying again. And you're trying again. And you were brave mm. enough to pursue a good life and not just stay in, in something not right yeah. because you felt you should. Yeah, no, that's so much. It set yeah. the tone for our relationship. I mean, seriously, I was hooked up. Yeah, my first date. <laughs> <laughs> my that's whole family, nice. everyone that knows yeah. me, would say that I that came was home. It. And I was like, "Well, that's it." Yeah. And he teases me because I had a couple of dates set up the next weekend with other people. Oh, and bless did. those poor guys' hearts. They didn't have a shot. I mean, <laughs> they didn't even stand. No, I, they. I literally didn't even care that yeah. they existed because That's I had already at that point gone on two dates with Forrest and Forrest and Forrest, you know, and it was just, really? yeah. That's and not amazing. because of anything other than his depth. It's amazing. <clears throat> and, and relationships that end. Um, and it sounds to me like, you know, you felt sort of that pressure that a lot of us face growing up is what, what defines us, especially as women is being a part of a family. Oh, so yes. we, and we define family as husband, wife, child, right? That's, that's how we're raised. And I went through a, a really difficult time in my life a couple of times understanding that I define myself however I want. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be that, but you know, I got divorced from my children's father when they were young because I caught him in a car with my best friend. <sighs> and so I, that, what you're describing that like publicness of failure, even though it's not really failure for me, it wasn't failure. It feels like failure. It feels like failure mm -hmm. of what we thought we needed to be. Mm -hmm. So we were able to redefine ourselves and you found someone who believed in the definition of who you wanted to be. Right. Yeah. I love it right. so much. Yeah. And, 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 and of course I haven't met you. So when you're listening, I have to tell you, I need to meet you. I need to meet you and I need to hold your baby for a little bit. So <laughs> she we, looks like him, which oh, is the best does. thing. I, can, I love it so much. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Well, you know, and thank you for sharing that. I know yeah. it's, it's important to understand 
understand that we all get to where we're at today because of the collection of experiences that we've had. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what brought, has brought a lot of wisdom in your life. And you talk about this and, you know, some of the challenges that you deal with with entrepreneurs stem from those particular issues, right? Those are some of the challenges you've had. Are there any other like sales or business or corporate life challenges you face? Cause you were in the corporate life for a while. Sure. Um, one I think is, so there's two, there's a curated life that people put out there into the world. Mm. Right. And then the second is, um, just belief that you should be a certain thing at a certain time mm. and not accepting when you're not and, you know, moving forward. So the first thing that curated life, I have so many conversations with my clients about, um, comparison mm. to their corporate colleagues, to other people that they're working with and their sales are this for this quarter and mine aren't, or, you know, they, whatever it is, right. They recruited this many people to their unit and I didn't, and, and they feel less because of that without recognizing mm. that maybe they did something different and they forgot to even notice. Yeah. Right. That's the thing is we're so hard on ourselves. Yes. We are so in, in comparison just takes all your joy. Mm-hmm. It is the thief of everything good in the world. Yes. And in, in the days of social media, while it is a wonderful curation, right? We only put forth what is beautiful and awesome and wonderful. Except for me. I put forward <laughs> things like well, stones falling on my hand and I, I broke my that. hand. And, yes. Yeah, I, I do. I do because I don't believe in that creative, that, that right. uh, well, the curated, curated story. I believe the, I believe in the real story. Me too. I, That's I why share. I like to share the bad things yeah. that have happened because yeah. it's super easy to look at someone and just see the good mm-hmm. and believe that they don't go home sometimes and cry their eyes out. People you have yes, to know do. better than that by now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. the, the reality is maybe our, maybe Maybe my teenagers don't know that. Sure. Yet. It's possible because they grew up in the phase, or let's just say the younger half of the millennial generation don't know any different, but I, I think they kind of do. I don't, I don't believe that there's anybody out there that's actively using social media that believes that that's the whole picture. I hope not. Yeah. I do think brief, it's, it's a brief flash that it does affect on a daily basis, sometimes confidence. Like I, I definitely have clients who I have said, I do not want you to check Facebook or any of those social media sites mm-hmm. until after your work is over. You mean like they see it as, as, Oh, look what they're doing. And I'm not doing that. Yeah. And it hurts their confidence. Yes. Yeah. And so then they, they go into their next meeting, not as confident. Oh, right. Yeah. Or even to the point where, you know, don't even check your work email. Cause you know, those stats are coming out on somebody else's achievement. And if, if that bothers you, don't look at it. Go be your best for your clients. Then come home and let's look at it. And we'll talk about it. Yeah. Right. Good strategies. Sometimes you have to blind, put your blinders on and yeah. you can just go perform. Good strategies. Mm-hmm. I talk a lot, Julia, about I live a notification free life. Oh, 100%. Yes. It's been more than a year for me that since I have had any notifications go off on my device ever. I don't that do is it. so smart. I don't, I don't do it. My, my children are able to dial through to me if, um, if an emergency, I have them marked as a way that it'll break through. Um, but I don't, I don't do any of that. I don't check my email on my social media unless I choose to. And I am specific about it. I, I get hassled a lot. Actually, <sighs> people say, you never answer my phone call. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I don't take calls. 
I make calls, I'll call you back. But if I'm in flow or if I'm focused, or if I know that, you know, you and I are going to have this amazing podcast, I'm not going to be checking social media before we come here because you know what? I want to be here and present with you. Mm-hmm. And if, if it comes to work and you want to be successful at work, all of those interruptions, you know, and honestly, I know you guys are going to think that I'm a ranter about this because I talk about it a lot, <laughs> but I won't stop because I truly believe 100% that if you take that noise out, you just become better at everything. That's well, it takes about. little minute pieces of energy, every little piece of noise yes. zaps something from you, yes. right? And at the end of the day, you're bad, tired. Yes. You're so drained and you don't know why. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. So that's, so that's important for you. You focus on that with your clients. Mm-hmm. Blinders, for sure. Put on your blinders. Mm-hmm. Go be your best. To heck with the rest of them. So talk talk to me about like aggressive competition. Mm. I mean, I haven't worked in, although I've said I've never had an actual sales title, but I believe everything that I do in my life is sales. I just, it it is a type of sales, right? I mean, I've worked in for nonprofits and large organizations for a long time. And so when you're raising money, you're selling. When you're creating partnership, you're selling. But to me, it's not selling. You're building part, you're building relationships with people to create mutually beneficial goals. Mm -hmm. And that is what sales is. Um, People think of sales as a bad word. I think of it as a, like a, it's not about the transaction. It's about a relationship. Yes. So that, that right there is the answer. Mm. That's how you handle aggressive competition is you free yourself from transactions and only sell things that people need or want. Yeah. Your job is not to make a sale. It's to connect some, someone with yes. something they need or want. And if you don't have it, help them find it. Yeah, that's be their resource for yeah, someone so then else. You're being helpful. Else. Yeah, yes. and guess what? When they need what you have, they're going to come to you. Mm-hmm. And it takes energy and a little bit of upfront sacrifice to do that. How long right? did it take you to figure that out? Well, a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, partly because I do have a natural salesperson personality, and so that transaction, it's pretty easy for me to make a transactional sale. Yeah, and so initially, bam, 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 right? Like all these what were now insurance clients when I was yeah. at a financial advising firm, as opposed to advising clients. Yeah. Right. As opposed to true consultative selling. And is that because you can see what they need? It's like, you look at a person you're like, I already know you need that. So you got to buy this because I know you need it. You have to have it. Because, right. You're in the generation. Right, because you're actually seeing that you know that they need it. And, and it's easy to think of that as like a transaction because you can look at other people differently from the outside than they look at themselves. So if you mm-hmm. look at someone who needs something, and you know, they need it. It can become a transaction because you are aware of the necessity Right. Yeah. I think the key differentiator there is while you, your expertise might help you understand that they need it, a real good salesperson understands why they need it. Mm. Right. And why is unique to every single different person that's ever out there. Yeah. Right. Because while my husband and I are young with one kid and we own a home. And so, yes, we probably need this, this, and this when it comes to financial advising, our feelings about that are going to define when and why and how much of it we buy. Right. And if you're, if you are not finding why a person wants to buy something, then then you're not a good salesperson. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's very harsh to yeah. say, but it's true. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I, I like it because it, it carries over in everything we do. Anything that anybody does, that's you're, you're addressing that exact topic. It, you know, that carries over to industries or service or product. Mm-hmm. Um, that is absolutely super smart. Um, and what do you mean by overselling? I mean, you said that you're a natural 
you have a natural tendency to, to be good in sales, mm-hmm. but you've also said that you can oversell. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that, what's that mean? So, um, I, I like to make people feel things. Like mm-hmm. I had a colleague one time who said, I always feel good after I talked to Julia. Mm-hmm. And that was such a compliment to me. Yeah. And at, at the time I was like, yeah, yeah, people feel good when they talk to me. But that's a little bit of a scary thing when you're selling, mm-hmm. right? Because you can jazz people up a little bit too much. They make a decision that's a buying decision. And then they go home and they go, I was just kind of excited about being with that person. I don't yeah. really want this. And so when if you are born with a natural enthusiasm, right, or a natural excitability, sometimes you have to dial it down in sales so you can really understand that person's why not attract them with like whiz bang and sparks and yeah. things like that. Right. Yeah. I see. When your default facial expression is smile, right. There yeah. are lots of people out there whose default facial expression is smile, which yeah. is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Never, never let go of it. But occasionally maybe just dial it down. Yeah. So you can understand them a little bit more. I see what you're saying. And I, I think that that's, that's kind of sad actually, but it, but in a way it's probably worse for women to have to do that because there is sort of that, um, that natural spark that a lot of women have when we smile and we are really outgoing and extroverted. Cause you know, you can be quiet and professional, but I also know that you can be very outgoing right? <laughs> sure. and extroverted. And I'm the same. I mean, we can be serious, but we can be massively bright lights. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you, when you're a massively bright light like that, it does it, it draws like, it's like drawing the, the mosquitoes to a, to a, mm-hmm. a nightlight. Um, but I think that it's sad that we have to kind of turn it off. But we have to be professional and let people process the information. Yeah, I think the key there is just know your venue. Yeah, right? right? When you're in a one-on-one selling situation with somebody, that's not time to let all your sparkle out. Yeah. Right? You know, maybe a little yeah, sparkle. Keep a little sparkle for yourself. Like keep some sparkle for yourself. Yeah. And then when you're on the stage speaking to 100 people... I mean, that's when all the spark, all the spark, right? <laughs> let it go, baby. And, and so just understanding the venue, it, that actually helped me a lot with my own, um, just ability to recognize strengths, right? Mm. Like the ability to, to actually listen, mm. right? If you, if you're maintaining a little bit of more of a calmer attitude, it's easier to listen to what the person across from you is saying then be planning out what you're going to say next because it's going to be so sparkly and fascinating and they're just going to love you, right? And don't you think that that's one of the biggest things that's missing in sales oh, is the yeah. ability to listen? Yeah. Mm. Waiting to talk is what most people in sales do. They mm. ask a question and then they wait to ask their next question without really listening to even what that answer was. Yeah. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine about, um, podcasting in general and, and they, you know, you and I, I told you before this, that I don't pre-plan a lot of questions because I don't believe in, in asking you questions. I believe in having a conversation with you because your story is worth sharing. Your expertise, your wisdom is something my, my audience is, are going they're going to love you. And that seems so crazy to me, but okay. Yes. I'm okay and I can already tell this has been amazing. People are going to love this, but I think that if I have a pre-question written down in front of me, I'm not going to hear what you say. Now, good, I'm sure, long-term journalists, maybe, um, Tamara Banks and I just had a conversation last week and, you know, she says you get really good at being able to still listen while having a question in the, in, in, in the sidelines, right? But it could always change. But I just, I'm not there yet. I'm, I mean, I'm literally looking at you and 
we're having a conversation based upon the information we're discussing. Mm -hmm. But if you're sitting down one-on-one, I mean, I can tell you that when I was younger, it never dawned on me to listen to somebody's answer before you continued the conversation. Because sometimes you just know you got to get it all out. You think you're not going to get to the point of the conversation you need to get to if you don't say these three things. Yeah. Right? Do you Mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it takes time to figure out that those three things, they don't matter. Yeah. That is definitely a tenure, right? And expertise. Yeah. It does take time to develop that. Yeah. It takes time to take someone to a specific destination in whatever direction they want to go. Yeah. Right. There's, this goes back to, you know, a coaching style called the Socratic method, like Socrates. I mm-hmm. used to use questions to help people come to their own conclusions about life and philosophy in his case, instead of telling them, you know, you should believe this, he would ask a question that would make them say, you know what? I believe this. Mm. And then you own it more. Right. And, um, and so sales conversations, while you need to know where you're going and you need to know your script, everybody hates that, but you do need to know it. Real mastery of it is so much knowledge of the direction that you're going that you can deviate at any moment. You can be nimble with your clients depending on the conversation mm-hmm. and you can go on a tangential, you know, 30 seconds mm-hmm. if you want and then bring them right back. Yeah. Yeah. You've been able to take all of that and apply it towards all aspects of business, really, because we know that everything you're talking about, this is business. This is yeah. This well, is, I try. <laughs> this, is, this is all business. This yeah. is not. This is not just sales or not just sales and financial services. Oh or, no, it's or not. coaching, right? No, no, it's not. I mean, you're you're talking some life things, and um, I I'm curious to know that when you have these conversations, because um, many of my listeners know that I am really. A spiritual person mm-hmm. and I feel things extremely deeply. Um, and I can feel that you do too. And <laughs> maybe it's too, too deeply <laughs> depending on the day. Well, imagine the two of us, for those of you that are not watching the video, if you are, hello, if you're listening, you could, you, you, you know, you can't see the great energy that we have between us. And so I can feel it in you. So do you use an intuitive side of you when you're coaching? Now, I I mean, I'm sure you didn't use to, because that's a a gift that a lot of us take time to develop, but do you? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all intuition really. Yeah. Uh, And all my, pretty much all but one of my clients, all of my calls are on the phone. Really? You don't even use Zoom. We, for one. Well, I only want Zoom, by the way, because I want to see the baby. So if we were going to meet by Zoom so I could see the baby. No problem. Okay. No problem. But I will tell you, I've had to develop listening skills like never before because all I can do is listen mm. to my clients. They're all over the nation, right? So yeah. in fact, my two calls this morning were both in New York City. Mm. And so being able to just hear t- intonation and pace, energy level, it is it has taken time to develop that skill. And I will tell you what, it has forced me to learn to be distraction-free while I'm working. Because if, if an email pops up and I look at that email... I am not listening and they know it. Yes. Right. And I miss the little nuance about, you know, I had a great conversation this morning about one of my clients has a real hang up about calling referrals. He's just more comfortable cold calling, which is so opposite of most people in the world. Interesting. Right. But it's the way he was brought up in his career and cold calling. There's no risk of personal embarrassment. Really? Right. But with a referral, you can get a, re- you know, a direct rejection. Yeah. And, and the person that referred you can find out. Correct. Oh, so, I so see. he's talking to me about it and I'm giving him all these, what I consider excellent tips about working on referrals. 
And he's just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And I finally had to stop and say, you know, his name. Are you buying into this at all? And he said, no. (gasps) And so, I mean, good thing you asked. Put on the brakes, right? Okay, we had to go all the way back to square one. Right, and re reestablish belief system in the whole even just idea mm. of referrals before we start on the technique road. How did you like? How did you find this this sort of path of really delving into the issues that people are facing? You know, outside of the fact that it was about people in your career, because mm-hmm. I know you're focused on people right now. You are making people. People better. And they are my thing. Things. I love it. I, I know. Mm-hmm. And but how did you decide to focus in this niche area of business? Mm. Super good question. And I think it really goes back to one of the best ways to be successful in sales is to be hyper self-aware, mm. super duper self-aware. Where take all those assessments and go to all those you know trainings about how to harness your energy and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Go to those because every single one you go to teaches you something about yourself. So what I realized before I started my coaching practice is I love to learn and I like to share knowledge, right? So new information and telling something about someone about that really gets me going. I also really like to help people start things, like uh-huh. build enthusiasm around a new idea. My dad says that, you know, you got to be careful around me because by the end of the conversation, you're, you're ready to go like do something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? No matter what it is, I'm, you're I'm excited about energy. it. We're doing something. Yes. Right. And then the third thing is I kind of like to tell people what to do. Yeah. <laughs> as embarrassing as no, that is to say out loud is that you say it with such a streak. I love it. Well, because it's a fact. I love it. You know, I love to say, you know what? You should do this. And then people go out and do it. That feeds my ego a little yeah. bit. I like that. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're telling them something to do that's going to make them better. Sure. 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 Like right. saying, okay, you know that really nice coach purse? Yeah, go steal there. that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, you got. Yeah. You have to use your powers yeah, for good, not evil, are. right? Yeah, you yeah. are. That's amazing. So when you identify, you know, where your real, like, God-given strengths are, and then you find a job where you can use those, magic. Mm, that is magic, yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I, I have think I read somewhere that you have goals to keep your business set up in a way that you can experience other parts of the world. Oh yeah. So this is something we have in common. I, oh. My goal has been to keep my company digital, although we're meeting in person. I can, we can do this podcast other mm-hmm. ways, but my goal has been to keep my company in a digital space mm-hmm. so I can do it from anywhere in the world. Yeah. That's, Cause I have traveled, I've been to all, you know, 13 different countries in the course of my career. And I've been in some tough places and, mm-hmm. um, I've been in some really amazing places and it has changed me in ways that I can't describe to people Yep. unless you've been to, and I've been into Nairobi a couple of times. I've mm-hmm. been to Istanbul and yet I've also been to Nice and to, mm-hmm. you know, Copenhagen and Budapest, you know, nice places and then hard places. And all of them have equally made me a different person. Mm-hmm. And so that's my desire is to be in other places of the world. And so I so relate to your mm-hmm. your your desire to do that. Yeah. I think that travel, um, it teaches you that you don't have to have a lot to be happy. Mm. Right? My one of the things my husband and I did a lot before we had our baby was travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went everywhere for a long time and it was so awesome. And really? Oh, like yeah. where? Give me like, some examples. Oh man. Since we've gotten married, we, or, or since we've been together, we've gone to Peru and Belize and Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand and Cuba and France and Spain. Oh my gosh. I love and it. And 
How did, might you, be, how I did can't you get remember. to Cuba? Um, it was during that really specific window when wow. you could go. Wow. Yeah. He, actually, it was actually his MBA graduation gift. Really? I surprised him with the trip. It was so fun and it's awesome. It's amazing. Well, I'm a dual citizen of Canada and the United States. Oh, cool. So Canadians can travel to Cuba. So oh, to Cuba. yes. And it is amazing. But you know what? It's also so humbling. I know. Right? I mean, if you, you want to you go to a country where people are still happy even though they have nothing, yeah. Vietnam and Cuba. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They have nothing and they're yeah. still smiling. Yeah, exactly. I, I I think about this project we worked on in Nairobi when I worked for Denver Sister Cities with Mayor Hancock, and we did a trilateral relationship project with a city in China, a city in the United States, and we rebuilt a primary school in the largest informal settlement in Kenya. Cool. And I say that these kids came to school; they didn't eat during the week or during the weekends. Like the only the only food that they had access to was at their school. So we were building the school to make it self sustaining because they supported a community. They wow. just didn't educate; they supported a community. But these kids still showed up Monday morning, happy than any child I have ever seen. They don't eat during the weekend. They don't have pens and pencils. They don't know if they're going to learn. They don't know if they're going to have access to clean water that day. <laughs> Yet their faces are so happy to just get up and get to a school and be together and be with their community. And I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. my that rocked my world. Yeah. Yeah. I desperately want my children who are going to grow up just happy and healthy and hopefully, you know, middle-class America, right? Like, this is the life we live. I want them to go places where they see things like that. And so when they come home, they're more grateful mm-hmm. and they recognize that first of all, you don't need all of it to be happy and man, we're lucky to have it. Yeah. Right. And they go to bed every night thinking I am a fortunate person and I'm going to go work hard because I'm fortunate. Not sit there and just think, Oh, I'm so fortunate. Right. Yeah. But I'm going to go do something else that's good and leave good in the world as a result. So, it, so that tying all that back to the desire to be able to work from any location in the world um, in force and I, we want to go live in Japan. We have yeah. ideas to, yes. you know, be able to run a business from, from anywhere so that we can give our children that perspective. Yeah. I think it's a great goal. I'm totally with you. So we could do some group traveling if you'd ever like so fun. <laughs> yeah. We actually have on our goals list to travel with another couple this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, just cause it's cool. It adds a, a different dimension. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I also think that, um, in my, in my previous career and all my experience, I know people all over the world. That's the other thing that I have friends and connections in so many different places of the world that I have this deep desire to go back and see them outside of a business setting. Mm, right. Sure. And, and, and some, some people I have, I have a, a colleague that I used to work with in Denmark and he sent his daughter to spend a whole summer with me a few years ago when she was 16. And so I went back and spent some time with them and they'd like my daughter now to go. Oh, neat. But there are certain places in the world that I, I just want to go back to. Mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, travel with groups of people that want to go and experience culture, not go and be tourists. Yeah. Because there's a difference. Yeah. That is one thing that my husband and I make a point to do is we don't always travel with luxury. Yeah. Right. We, we take, yeah, sometimes we do for sure. Yeah. But, but occasionally we travel with buses and trains and yeah. walking and we do it the hard way because you experience more. Mm-hmm. I mean, a trip really isn't good for force unless he, he's felt the grit of the area that he's mm-hmm. in. He wants to go to the city and see the ugly parts too. And not yeah. just go to the Ritz or whatever and see that, you know, pretty fluffy parts. Yeah. That's not the real place. Right. I, um, I'll tell you an interesting story. I, when I was in Istanbul, it was right at the beginning of the, um, the refugee crisis, um, mm. the Somalian refugee crisis. And so when I got into Istanbul without me doing a lot of research on it, cause I was only there for like three days. I had like a day and a half long conference. 
and I didn't do any research in advance, although I read the State Department's. We travel, the way that I traveled was always based upon State Department guidelines to go to places on whether or not it was safe. Oh, okay. I just followed the sure. guidelines. Sure. And it was kind of on the border. I mean, it was, you really shouldn't leave your hotel without, you know, other people. And in, um, in Turkey, taxi cabs are not regulated. So Ooh. anybody can put a, a sign on and pick you up, right? That's a little scary. <laughs> so I went to leave the hotel and I was just going to wing it. You know, it was the middle of the day. I'm like, I have a half day free. I must go see this city. There was something about Istanbul that pulled to me. It was a history. I wanted to learn more about the religion. I wanted to visit a local community. And I wanted to learn about their history and making coffee and mm-hmm. eat their things. food, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to do that. And when the hotel wouldn't let me leave, like they literally said, oh. we have instructions from your colleagues that you are not allowed to go. Blonde American lady. I'm sorry. Know, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what yeah. it was because they know that that's what I like to do. So mm-hmm. they ended up having a, a local tour guide come to pick me up just in his family vehicles, like his kid's minivan because it was his day off. And he picked me up and he gave me a tour of the city and I got to spend time in his community. He literally took me home, took me into his mosque. His wife was like, wait a second. <laughs> and they were, I know very few people spoke, spoke English. And I spent the most amazing day with the most amazing people and learned so much about religion that we only hear about the, you know, the frenetic side of like extremism. Oh, sure. And so I, I learned so much and I loved it. It was one of my favorite days. Absolutely. Really. It yeah. was. And, and I say that you would never see that if you would have gone to all the typical tourist places in Istanbul, you wouldn't have nope. learned what you learned. Mm-hmm. And you can do that everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We, we hiked the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu when oh, we were in Peru. Yes. And we, the trekking company that we chose, the reason we chose them was because the night before they actually took us to their own home village oh, see? and we got to stay with a family. We camped in their backyard. We ate dinner with them. We helped them make dinner. They had one light bulb, dirt floors. But they had the nicest house in town, and they were so proud to show it to us. We got to hang out with their kids. I mean, it was just, it was a neat you know, experience. Honestly, we are like soul sisters. Yeah. There's so much about, we could like, we're, it's like, forget the podcast. Yeah. We're just here having We're hanging out. Where's my glass Oh of my gosh, I love it. Okay, <laughs> we're going to run out of time. Okay, okay, okay. So before we do, I want to hear more about the coaching, uh, the coaching and consulting work that you do now. Mm. Tell me about who you primarily work with. Mm. So I work with... People who are in a revenue generating role. That sounds really broad. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily salespeople, but some business owners. If your job is to make money it, for your business in some way and you're compensated accordingly, mm-hmm. coaching is a really appropriate way to spend your development dollars because your personal performance, and I'm not talking about just between the hours of eight to five, but your entire life, your human performance is what creates your paycheck. And so to not have a coach to help you make the best of that time Mm -hmm. is a little crazy, Mm -hmm. right? Because frankly, nobody's perfect every day. Nobody has an all-star day every day and nobody knows it all. So having someone to bounce ideas off of, sometimes I'm a counselor, sometimes I'm a coach, sometimes I'm a technique sharing person. Sometimes you're a sales guru too. Yeah. It just depends on the moment Mm. with, with the person. I like that you approach it in all different aspects because that is, that's super important. And you're right. Nobody is perfect all the time. And honestly, everybody needs a coach. 
And I truly believe that I have embraced this in the last 10 years of my life in, in different areas. Mm -hmm. You know, I can, I can be really good at what I do and yet still need help in certain areas or sometimes even to be able to step outside of yourself and see it from a thousand foot level. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to do that. And coaches are good at that. Yeah. And, and I think the different thing about my coaching is I want you to feel good at the end and mm -hmm. have learned something, but if you haven't made money, it wasn't successful. This is business coaching. So, so that's our like head, heart, and bottom line. That's my tagline for my business. So we are going to approach the whole person. We're going to look at you from a holistic perspective with the idea that you're going to grow your team or grow your sales or grow your business in some way. Um, so you, you, you actually, you're, you're appealing to not just people that work in sales roles, not cause it's not just that business owners, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. solopreneurs. Oh yeah. Like, solopreneurs is the hardest job ever, right? Yeah. Cause you're in charge of all of Everything. it. Everything. <laughs> and you still have to, you still have to be able to make revenue. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I know that first of all, I think you're, I think you're awesome. I love that you keep your heart in it. I like your vulnerability and I like Thanks. that you're putting together also though, the professional piece, you have not let go of the professional piece and you have a lot of sparkle in you. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's, it's unique to find someone who understands that your sparkle is part of who you are, but it cannot be the only thing that you are. Yeah. Right. Can't all be shine. Yeah. Right? You need to have substance. Mm -hmm. That's why women are, can be especially effective in sales, mm. right? Because they can be so gorgeous and beautiful and sweet, but if they're whip smart on the other side yeah. and they have great follow through, it's, it's irresistible, I know. right? And yeah. everyone wants to work with this badass woman, mm -hmm. right? It's true. Who smiles and then follows through it's makes true. a sale too, right? It's true. That's, yeah, that's it's the true. thing. Yeah. So do you primarily work with women? Yeah. Yeah, about 75% of my clients are women. But you're not close to working with men. It's Absolutely just, it's, it's not. It's just that's the way the world yeah. has gifted you mm -hmm. because that's a part of the gift that you have to right. give. Right, Yeah, I, I love my male clients for, you know, who they are. Right. Yeah. I have more in common with my female clients. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you can understand the other person. You can understand the other side. Although I, I do think that there is, we all know and can acknowledge that there is this amazing shift happening in the world right now with women. Sure. And so there are more women looking to empower themselves and find ways to be their best selves and need people like you. Yeah. You know, that is, there is a disparity right now in corporate leadership primarily because for a long time, women weren't put into leadership programs. And so there aren't tenured female leaders yet. It's happening. They're coming, mm, but yes. but they're not there yet. And so yes. when you're a female producer in an organization, sometimes you look up at the people above you and say, ooh, nobody looks like me. Yeah. You know, so that that is even more of a reason to, to hire mm. a coach until you become that person. Yeah. Right? It's changing. Things mm -hmm. are changing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, my daughter will, will have no problem. Yeah. It'll be there. When it she will gets totally older. be there. Yeah. My daughter's still going to, although, you know what? My daughter has my spirit. So there's, there's nothing that'll hold her back. I mean, it's just, it's in, it's in her blood to break down those barriers. That's how she was raised. And I'm in equal parts um, happy and also nervous that maybe I've made her too strong. Mm. You know, I, I want, I also want her to be graceful. And, yeah. you know, as we talked well, about that, mm -hmm. I know, well, and, and you know, I, I can lean on that. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Strong women competitions and all, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. exactly. You yeah. know, and, um, Anyway, Julia, you are amazing. I really thank you very much for coming on and, and talking with me today. Total joy. Yeah, I love it. So tell our listeners how they can find you. So uh, heraldcoaching.com is okay. my website. I actually have some videos 
talking about my story and, and showing yeah. some of the techniques that I might teach in a, in a sales coaching conversation. Um, Facebook, Harold Coaching, and okay. Instagram at Harold Coaching. Okay. Try to keep it consistent so yeah, it's easy. Good. Um, and there will be more diversification of the business coming this year. One of my um, goals for this year is to to open up a different layer Ooh, to the sales coaching business. So stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. All right. So follow her and we'll put, we'll put your information in the show notes so everybody Thank knows you. how to find you. And my last question for you, which I ask all of my guests, and I think this is really pertinent because we've talked a lot about this today, but what percentage of grit and grace are you? Oh man. Um, I'm a pretty gritty gal, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're so graceful too. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much for that. But if there's a hard way, I'm probably going to choose it. I don't really know why. I think there's a lot of value in the struggle. Um, my husband and I didn't find out the gender of our baby. I had a natural childbirth for because I wanted to, you know, yeah. things like that. Well, you know, you um, grow in those moments. Yes. As we talked about, those are the I'll moments never you forget grow yeah. that experience right. um, for lots of reasons, right? right? But um, I'm probably 75 grit, 25 grace. Oh, my gosh. I love that. <laughs> I say I'm 80-20 yeah. most, most days um, just because I have so much to do as, you know, one year, well, a year and a bit now into starting my own company. There's a lot to do. So, oh, yeah. you know, you need grit to get stuff done. Yeah. And I'm in that time in my life, right? Yeah. Mid thirties. I'm growing a family, growing a business, yeah. growing myself. It's that it's time for me to grind. I have a six and a half month old baby. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of grind <laughs> in that. <laughs> yes. This morning, whenever my sweet husband brought me a cup of coffee oh. and asked me how my night was, I just smile. Yes. Yes. yes because your husband's mm-hmm. traveling, right? So oh yeah. Right, right. So you can't get up in the night. So right. you were solo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Gotta love those days. You know, yes. that's, that's a woman for you. Yeah. Manages the baby, still manages to look beautiful and sparkle and yet still crushes it in business. I mean, mm. isn't that just the whole package? Well, you know, we try. Come, right? come over tomorrow when I don't have on yeah. makeup and I have on yoga pants <laughs> and I'm just momming all day and, and we'll have a peanut butter sandwich and talk about real life. You know what? That day is just yeah. as, just as wonderful as the days are when we have our suits on and, yeah. and we're, we're crushing it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much again. I really appreciate it. And for um, all of you listening, if you have not become a premium member on the Ladies Chit Chat Club, please visit us at ladieschitchatclub.com. Enjoy now. Stay tuned because we have all kinds of really exciting events coming and you'll get newsletters and fun stuff. And Mandy and I like to have fun. So you can join us for fun. If you're looking for more information on Grit and Grace, we have a podcast. We have a podcast page on Facebook, Grit and Grace Podcast. Or, of course, you can always reach me, Tavra Lee, at corporatecauseagency.com. And my friends, go be fierce.